you may have realized that being healthy feels different than it did in the past now that you're over 50. If you want to maximize your health potential but don't have time to read through overwhelming pages of Google links, this is the show for you. Welcome to Healthy Tips After 50. We love doing the research, finding solutions, talking to health experts, and learning what works and what doesn't. Now, your host. She spent the last 25 years dedicated to feeling her best and is here to share her best findings with you, Susan Rosen. Hi, everyone. This is your host, Susan Rosen. I thought that on today's podcast that I would talk about hip health. And the reason I'm doing that, well, for two reasons. One is because it was a really interesting, pretty detailed article in the UC Berkeley Health After 50 newsletter that came out in September of 2019. It gives a lot of information and really covers the subject very well. And I think it's something that all of us, particularly if we're over 50, should be concerned about, should be watching for, and should be doing things to try and prevent because your hips are very, very important. If you do not take care of your hips and something happens to them, well, number one, you could which a lot of people do, I know a lot of people who've had this, have had their hips replaced. Not a pleasant surgery, needless to say. Um, Everyone has come through it well that I know of, although I do know one person who had to have one of of his hips done a second time. Um, Again, not something I even want to think about. But your hips are what allow you to stand. They are one of the things that make us as human beings able to stand up straight. So they really are the basis of who we are. And for a lot of us, it is very much a a piece of how we live our lives and what we do on a daily basis, which can be anything from just getting out of bed and walking to the bathroom. So, okay, I'll get off my high horse here. The hip is actually a ball and socket joint, and it is the design of it that gives us, as they put it, the flexibility to sit, stand, run, and climb stairs, as well as the stability to support the weight of your body in any movement you're currently undertaking. So that would be any kind of exercise. It could be walking. It could be, like they say, going up the stairs or down. They, our hips, are major weight-bearing joints. They are equipped with a variety of different features that helps us as humans to maintain our stability and mobility but they also can 
fall prey, as they put it here, it's an interesting way of putting it, to overuse injury or disease. And if something is wrong with them, then your ability to live your life, as I said before, the way you're used to, it just won't happen. Your hips are in this very central location and they are um, not only attached to but also influence your lower back, your legs, your knees, um, your hip affects them and they affect your hips. So if you start to limp, that can that can affect your hip or perhaps it's your hip that's creating the limp and that's going to affect a lot of other joints. So it's all one big machine, really. So there are various things that can affect your hip. One is arthritis. Um, and it turns out that osteoarthritis is the most common cause of hip, hip pain in people who are over 55, which quite a few of us are, myself included. It is from wear and tear on the cartilage that lines the hip joint. And that is what causes the arthritis. So there's also something called inflammatory forms of arthritis, which you've probably heard of, rheumatoid arthritis, um, lupus, and another one I've never heard of called ankylosing spondylitis. Okay. And then there's something interesting that I didn't know. But then again, there's a lot of stuff I don't know, but... Anyways, that the cause of inflammatory arthritis is currently unknown. So that's something that's to be pondered, I think. Anyways, okay, um, when you have arthritis, what it feels like is that you have pain in the groin or outer thigh. It can start slowly and then if you don't do anything about it, not that I'm sure there is very much you can do, but the pain will get worse. And it typically gets worse when you move and then when you're sitting or you're lying down, it will feel better. Um, but what is still happening is that that joint damage is progressing and your hip will get to the point where it's going to hurt even when you're not moving it. And some of the other things that happen with arthritis are you have morning stiffness in your joints and you also end up with reduced movement in the joint, which makes sense. Bursitis is actually inflammation of the bursa, which are these sacs that have fluid inside of them and they're there to reduce the friction between your bones and they can 
um, affect the way that you walk. And actually, it's one of those things where if your walk, or as they call your gait, is off and isn't even, that actually can create or cause bursitis, which could be things like you have stiff, your back is stiff, you have knee arthritis or an ankle sprain or something, your legs are different lengths. I don't know. There's there's a bunch of different things that can affect and cause bursitis. So what that feels like is that you've got pain on the outside or the front of your hip and tenderness. Um, sometimes it can also feel like it's kind of like catching on something when you're trying to move so it's not smooth, the movements aren't smooth. You also may find it difficult to sleep on the side that you're having the bursitis on. So those are things to kind of watch out for. If you start having any of those kind of, of things, then you definitely need to go in and see a doctor. There are also strains and tendinitis, which needless to say, we have in a lot of different places. And that typically comes when your, um, your tendons, uh, good tendinitis, yep, your tendons get overused or injured or something like that. Um, you can also get strains and tears in your muscles that will resort in, huh, result in a strain. And how that affects your hip and what it feels like is that you have hip pain that gets worse when you move your leg in one direction or some continued activity. Um, I guess they say here that tendinitis can produce a snapping or clunking sound. I've never run across that, but and I hope I don't. But it's good to know. F fractures are breaks in the upper thigh bone. And the bones can also become weak from a disease like osteoporosis, which I'm very well aware of because my mother had that, um, also known as fragile or brittle bones. And what happens a lot of times is that the, um, the bone just weakens and um, the inside of it kind of just like gets very weak and doesn't hold the bone and so the bone starts to to break or crack so like they say here with osteoporosis sometimes they can break the bones can break very easily from a fall or other injury and actually it's kind of interesting because sometimes what happens is that the bone is so weak that the bone breaks first and then the person falls. So um, you have to watch out for that. They're talking also here about an occult, that's with an O-C-C, hip fracture that's one that's hidden, meaning that it 
doesn't appear on regular x-rays and so it can be very easy to miss um, and very hard to diagnose but anyways fractures um, feel like sudden severe pain along the front and side of your hip or your groin after a traumatic traumatic injury and they say that um, if you're active the pain can be worse and also when you um, put weight onto or rotate the hip that's bothering you okay so there's a couple more here to go through I think it's really kind of interesting and, and good to know you probably don't need to know all of this specific information but it, it can be helpful you never know when you might feel one of these things you'll go oh wait a minute I think I should know that the next one is neuralgia parasthetica I have definitely never heard of that one it's the lateral femoral cutaneous nerve which travels from your spine through your pelvis and upper thigh and supplies feeling to your thighs skin Wow so it occurs when there's increased pressure on the nerve and the compression can be caused by obesity um, wearing tight clothes around that area or scar tissue which could be from a past surgery and it's also more common in people with diabetes which somehow doesn't really surprise me because they have a lot of nerve issues so what it feels like is numbness tingling or burning pain over the upper outer thigh interesting okay um, osteonecrosis is has to do with the death of tissues and in osteonecrosis uh, poor blood flow causes the affected part of the bone to die if it's left untreated and so then the joint just is destroyed um, I guess it can happen mostly in people who use corticosteroid steroid drugs or overuse alcohol for example huh and it's less commonly associated with a fracture that cuts off blood supply but what it feels like is if you've got pain in the groin thigh or buttocks and depending it's going to be where it is depends on the bones involved but the pain may intensify when you put weight on the hip or you try and move it so one more kind which is called referred pain and that pain is as you can guess when you feel it in a part of your body where it's not originating and that's called referred pain so for instance hip pain isn't actually from the hip joint and instead is coming from your knee or your lower back um, another one another example or a couple of examples that they give are herniated discs or a slipped vertebrae 
You can also get it when you compress a nerve in your spine, which can then also cause pain in the hip. And they said also that hip and spine problems often coexist. And they found that nearly four, there was a, a study, <laughs> a study in um, the archives of physical medicine and rehabilitation where nearly 54% of older people with chronic low back pain had at least one hip symptom. So, um, and that you're going to get with a lot of um, um, pins and needles kind of sensation. So, the kind of things that they say that we should all do to protect our hips is to get physical activity, an adequate amount. This is not a surprise. Um, 150 minutes a week of moderate intensity aerobic activity, like brisk walking, dancing, or housework. Or 75 minutes a week of vigorous intensity activity. So that would be running, tennis, high intensity fitness classes. Or, of course, you can also combine them and you can figure out the number of minutes a week to do that as well. They say to incorporate weight training, which is excellent, not just for your hips. All these things are, are as you know, um, very good for you in all areas of your health and your body. So they say to do muscle strengthening exercises at least twice a week. That's which you can read everywhere else as well, um, that the exercises should involve all major muscle groups. That makes sense. And what they're saying is another reason to do that, to use all of the muscle groups, is because if you have one muscle group that's a lot stronger than the opposing group, it can disrupt the joint's natural range of movement motion and lead to injury and that's why usually when you do weight training and you usually do them in pairs so that things go if you're doing it out then you're going to just then you're going to do it in as well and you always try and do the same number you don't want to do more one way than you do on the other and i think that's part of what they're saying okay Balance, stay balanced, take up activities that will improve your balance. That's probably for me. Um, tai Chi or yoga, they say, will reduce your risk of falls and associated injuries. I definitely need that one. Other balance exercises include walking backward. Interesting, I'll try that. Standing on one leg. Yeah, I used to do that. I haven't done that for a while. I have to go back to that. And using a wobble board. And I have done that at the gym, which is kind of interesting, but I haven't done it in a long time. Um, I actually started using one of those little half ball kinds of things. Um, I can't remember what they're called. But it's the same idea. It's just that it's round and then you stand on it. And, and it's like a ball in the bottom. So... Um, Anyways, okay, they tell you to get your bone density tested, and usually they will start that at 65. I did have mine done actually earlier, 
that was because of my mother having osteoporosis, but for some reason where I am now at Kaiser, they don't seem to think that's important. And so I have to wait until I'm 65 again. Okay, enough editorial on that. Um, let's see, they tell you to check your meds. Um, ask your doctor to review your medications to see whether they may be taking a toll on your bone density or potentially causing dizziness or sedation, which could put you one at risk for falls okay eat for healthy bones um, they tell you to eat foods that are rich in calcium and vitamin D um, I would cross off the calcium and say that are rich in minerals because if you ask anyone including a doctor what your bones are made of they'll say minerals they're not going to say calcium because they know better why would we want to put just calcium into our bones to nourish them? Well, anyway, I'll get off my soapbox here. Okay, maintain a healthy weight. That's good. Limit alcohol use and don't smoke. And when they say limit alcohol use, they say don't do heavy drinking. One, one glass of wine a day is not what they're talking about. So that's it for the hips. Um... A lot of times if you have a particular pain in a particular place and you mention it to a nurse or a doctor, they will know immediately where to look for that and where to start looking to see what the problem is. Please, please be sure and mention things like that to your doctors and nurses because it's so, so important. Not to mention the fact that a hip replacement surgery is not a short surgery. The um, getting better, the rehabilitation from it is not short. And it's not cheap. That is a very expensive surgery. So think about all of these things and watch to make sure that you're not out of alignment and keep your hips for as long as you can. So that's it for today. And remember, I'm not a doctor. And whatever I talk about on this podcast should not be construed as medical advice. Um, as I always say, would love it if people would leave me comments. In the meantime... Go to my site if you haven't been there before, healthytipsafter50.com. You can pick up a free PDF there on 10 things your grandmother got wrong, which have some pretty interesting tips in them. And I will look forward to talking to you all next time. This has been Healthy Tips After 50 with Susan Rosen. To stay on the cutting edge of the most effective health strategies, subscribe to this podcast and let us know what you thought of the show with a comment or like on iTunes. Visit HealthyTipsAfter50.com for this episode's show notes, more resources, and free offers.